Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam, and we're here for another episode of Horror Express to talk about Gremlins 2, the new batch, a 1990 film directed by Joe Dante and written by Charles S. Haas. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, and it stars a lot of the same people from the first movie, as well as having a number of cameos by folks like Christopher Lee. Um, and I should point out at the very beginning of this, Red Letter Media has done an excellent overview of of this uh, of this movie, and in a lo- any insights we might have, I'm sure we'll owe something to that. So I just want to kind of get that credit out of the way because I know that we I don't know if all of us have seen the Le- Red Letter Media. Oh, uh, you haven't, Adam. Okay, so Adam's going to be my pure thoughts original are thought. purely, yeah. But genius. mine have been tainted by the uh, by the the very excellent Red Letter Media uh, coverage of it. So, and I I'm going to try to be original, but. I think there'll be some derivative ideas in here on my part. Um, and I believe, Joel, I've talked with you about that episode, too. I don't know. Um, yeah, I like Red Letter Media. I, I watch them pretty routinely. I, I'm not quite as uh, enamored with them as I was like four or five years ago. Um, but, you know, mostly, uh, mostly four or five years ago, the big thing was that like they were saying stuff that was really at odds with what you'd usually hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. reviews mm-hmm. because like that was like the rise of the the nerd critic who, were, who was yeah. super yeah. hyper enthusiastic about everything that was happening and they were a great counterpoint because they hated everything yeah yeah they were very critical in fact th- there was a lot of references to the last jedi in the gremlins 2 video because the, the <laughs> gremlins 2 video came out in like 2019 or something so there yeah. was still a lot of fresh last jedi talk in there um there's a lot of people doing what they do now yeah so. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, well, that's sort of the nature of you. I don't want to get off track, but that's the nature of YouTube. Is, <laughs> We're already you get really track. into a channel for like two or three years at most, yeah. and then you kind of start losing interest, and other channels fill up that, uh, you know, that. and then occasionally the channel comes back under your radar. Um, so, you know, it's just the way it is. But, anyways, I don't. Do I need to give an overview of Gremlins Two? I'm assuming people have seen it. Do you guys think we need to cover the basic plot line for folks? Or, uh, I mean, yeah, I think so. I think we. Do, I mean, I think it's basically. It. Yeah. It's it's basically there's a, a uh, Billy and 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 Phoebe. No, sorry, not Phoebe, Billy and Kate end up working at uh <laughs> at at the Clamp Building, uh, which is kind of like a Trump Tower type thing, but but also like has a mixture of other elements. Like there's a cable channel there and there's just like, yeah, there's like a mall. Like it was and... half Trump, half Ted Turner is what they yeah. were doing. Yeah. And yeah. And it's also just like a completely self-contained world, this clamp building. So, which works well for a setting, but that's basically where the gremlin out, outbreak happens. And it's almost like a self parody type movie where they're, they're making fun of the first Gremlins, but also making fun of sequels in general. And it's 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 completely amped up, but everything's just, I don't know, very campy. And there's like a lot of references to classic horror movies and stuff. So it's just it's just it's 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 not. I don't know. Well, well, I guess what was everybody's reactions to Gremlins to the first time you saw it? That's maybe a good place to start. When was the first time we saw this movie? I saw it first when I was like eight, and I loved it. It's like a cartoon, you know. Yeah. So I, I've not super critical thinking, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I saw it again today, and I loved it. So I, clearly, I'm still a child. 
Yeah, I think I think my love of it has gone up over the years. Like I saw uh, it when it came like when I don't know, Adam, you you're about my age, you're a little older than me, but maybe I think you might have probably been in the same sometimes though, you're like because you're a little bit older, something that was cool in 1990 for me was like not cool for you, so you might have I didn't actually it. see it when it first came okay. out. I just kind of I was uh, yeah, 1990 was the year I graduated from high school, and I just wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. Okay. I mean, it wasn't even like I was like scoffing at it. It just wasn't even on my radar that year. So, okay. Whole whole different level I'm, of scoffing. It's not even like this is for babies. It's like what what is this? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> exactly. I think I might have still been in middle school or just getting into high school. But this yeah. was like every kid. In, I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I was in middle school. But my this was when this came out not a single kid in my class didn't see it like the weekend it came wow. out. It was, just, yeah, it was just, just every, we had been waiting for it for so long and then it came out. And and I think I remember liking it, but also being vaguely disappointed that it wasn't like the first, you know, the first one was the classic movie and I was mm-hmm. maybe going in expecting that. But then I think over the year, and again, I don't really honestly remember my initial reaction because it was so long ago. And I, I, I don't remember ever really being disappointed in a sequel until Highlander two came out. And I think this was prior to that. So I probably liked it, but I might've just kind of been like, I, you know, like had a, would have wanted a little more of the classic gremlins at the time, but over the years, my, my appreciation of it has gone up because it's stuck in my head as a movie. It's one of those kind of films that you just keep thinking about for whatever reason, yeah. even oh, yeah. years after you saw it. Yeah. And and it's just got great rewatch value. Uh, and, it's, and and the more, you know, as I got into high school, I I started, I, I watched more of the movies that the film references, and I was appreciating uh-huh. more of the movie references in it, too. Whereas in middle school, I probably would have missed a lot of them. Uh, so, everything with Christopher Lee in this is gold. Yeah, he, <laughs> he Christopher yeah. Lee is maybe the best part of the movie in my opinion like that that mm-hmm. uh it's also probably like the best introduction you could have to Christopher Lee I think if like somebody doesn't know Christopher Lee this would be a really good way to kind of bridge the gap <laughs> to getting them to watch hammer movies and other things because he's so yeah. endearing in this that uh they they're going to they're going to develop an affection for him and then be more willing to watch like a 1957 film that, that he's yeah, featured in. But if I if I were to compare my reactions originally, like my memory of the film is that it's really, you know, it's a really bonkers film, which indeed it is. Yeah. Having just rewatched Gremlins before doing this, Gremlins was much weirder than I remembered it being. Just the way yeah. it's got the long <laughs> opening, like the old woman who's just like just <laughs> almost like the witch from you know from from uh from yeah that's the she even just, hates dogs, man. Yeah, I was just like, well, I was like, okay, I guess Gremlins is far more cartoony than I remembered, and actually fits yeah. as a whole together with Gremlins two much better than I remembered. So yeah, that, yeah, that it, was it occurred to me watching that watching this last night. I I think the biggest difference, honestly, is the location where the first one is set mm. in like a very, I don't know, just a very quaint town that's very yeah. you know like uh you know very very much like a back to the future type sort of backdrop do you know what i mean like it's just got that kind of feel it's, it's a movie small town yeah 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 and this <laughs> but this one is like very modern very forward looking it's 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 and it's also just filled with a lot of cultural references that i feel weren't in the like there were cultural references in the first movie but not 
not the yeah. kind that we got in this one. Um, and also, oh, they, just, they just threw everything in there. Like, yeah. Uh, I feel uh, like oh, Joe yeah. Dante was like, after the success of Gremlins, I will never have this money again, so I am going to make my ultimate crazy dream project was, uh, was part of a uh, well, thought. So, so again, and again, this is stuff they cover in the Red Letter Media video. And also, I guess this the reason I had, I had asked you guys during the week about whether it was possible to hear Blu-ray soundtracks on Prime or any of those channels. Because apparently yeah. where they got a lot of their information was his commentary on the Blu-ray, which I okay. couldn't access because I don't, I don't have it on Blu-ray. Um, but I guess they had been trying to do a sequel for ages and they just couldn't get it, the script to work and all this stuff. And so they, they kind of came to him begging for him to direct it <laughs> and they let him just, they basically said, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and so he's like, anything I want. And they're like, yeah. Anything. And so that, that's why it's it such shows. a strange movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he said it's... that he was trying to parody gremlins and parody sequels like i think he was pretty explicit about that um yeah it's funny because in a lot of ways it is such a shapeless movie like you know with lots of asides and stuff but it really it's just really entertaining from beginning to end anyway it's uh yeah it's, it's a movie like where a you short don't... story collection like yeah because it, yeah. it doesn't have a particular cohesiveness but it has an excuse like it has like kind of a wraparound <laughs> story and then just a bunch of crazy vignettes where there's like there's a spider one and there's a, there's a lady one that yeah. that falls in love and gets I, married at the end of it. I, <laughs> it's it's weird because I feel like it has a story structure like the first one has a story structure, but the story structure in the first one you were very conscious of and you remember. And in this one, you lose sight of the story and you're just focused on all the stuff that we're talking about. Happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. the stuff that's interesting another another interesting thing is usually in any kind of movie like this any character that's flawed is being set up for a comeuppance but it's like no it's like uh clamp doesn't you know it's like he is kind of a jerk like through the early part of the movie but he kind of helps out and you know and it's same with christopher lee's character doesn't get some terrible comeuppance it's it's just it's, it's like it's just you know, kind of in monster movies expect that oh clamp's really gonna get it those gremlins are gonna get him he's gonna get well, what's coming to him same with christopher lee's character but it, it doesn't actually do that which i found very interesting what was the name of that actor who was like the the micromanager like that guy oh robert Pizarro. Uh, he yeah. kind of gets one, but like I every scene he's in, I'm feeling raw joy from the way he's portraying that character. Like it's absolutely yeah. Yeah. like perfect. And Marla too, even Marla, like you, you know, like yeah, you I think, think she'd come up, but it's not really. Yeah, she she yeah. gets caught in a spider web for a little bit, but that's about it. And I think I think you know what it is like the the clamp character kind of encapsulates all this. He's very likable, and mm -hmm. they yeah, no, I, they, I never hated that guy. Yeah, no. they do the they do the thing where it would have been very easy to make him nasty and not likable, yeah. but by it's go kind by of enthusiastic and fun though, you know. Well, and and it's funny because you you see like how horrible all of his ideas are, and you see how like 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 the fact that he's so charming is part of the problem. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, it so, kind of yeah. it. So yeah, so so it's it's it, it makes it more interesting and it makes it more believable. That like yeah. you're like oh yeah I could see why the world would fall for this guy's ideas you know and and as yeah. soon as he realizes the folly of his first idea he's like right on to the next probably very bad idea so <laughs> it's well but he also he he likes our main character you know he he builds yeah. him up a little bit after he just got tore down by the the gormless micromanagers it's a very eighties feeling movie in that way 
you know mm-hmm. it, kind of yeah. the same thing where the remember in ghostbusters or the epa were the bad guys kind of the yeah. same thing here where it's like oh no no the the, the super millionaires they're great it's all those pesky middle <laughs> managers that are evil <laughs> really i mean it, I, I wouldn't say the message is that clear they really do rip on clamp heavily a lot you know like a lot of the announcements going on like about how you know Casablanca now in color with a happy ending is like that was a real well and that was pretty funny well I don't know if you guys noticed but the poster of him with the Lady Liberty he's got his hand clamped over Lady Liberty's face and he's (laughs) smiling but all you can see is his smile it's like (laughs) takes a moment to notice what and I think that really captures the spirit of the character which is that he's just this This very lovable, joyous. He's psychopath. Just, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, I but... Like I like that the character is really. He generally is horrible in a lot of the things he does, but he's such a. He's in person. He's he's just this really friendly guy, and it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. It's just it just it just adds a lot to the movie rather than being simplistic about it. It makes him memorable. Like all the characters yeah. are wonderfully memorable in this movie. That's a huge strength of it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when it, uh, the the twins in the genetic laboratory. I don't even. Oh know yeah. Ever forget their faces? You know. Yeah. No, they're well, little, little, little boy at the dancing. Even, kids even the janitor is memorable in the movie. Right? Yeah. They have oh, yeah. Hair. The janitor's grumbling yeah. about the the uh, the water fountain. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> he utterly like I was so captivated by that scene. I was watching Gremlins two, which is one of the goofiest, most visually interesting movies ever. And this is a, a, a janitor just grumbling about like, oh, we used to have way better water fountains. I was captivated. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he, well, I mean, well, and that was also a good cameo too, you know, because it was uh, it was John Aston. Um, yeah, this, that's the other thing about this movie. There's a lot of cameos. Like uh-huh. J- Julia Sweeney is in the movie, and again, yeah, I didn't. I, that surprised me. Yeah. I was like, wow. But uh... and, and it's funny because I remember that character, but it doesn't. She almost doesn't look like Julia Sweeney in this movie for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if there, if there was something different going on with her or what but she just looked different and it took me a moment this time around to realize oh that's julia sweeney um so but i mean like leonard malton is in it um hulk hogan Uh is in it um there's just a ton of and i I know that i'm probably forgetting like uh you know (laughs) i thought uh, they get leonard malton reviewing the first gremlins (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, Which is then, like, also funny because he did give it a bad things. review, I think. Didn't he give the original Gremlins a bad review? I meant like, to look uh, that up. Gremlins, I can't remember. Like, Gremlins are uh, and he's like, wait, no, I mean, it's a tit. It's a tit. <laughs> Amazing. Like, to have that kind of, like, self-awareness as a, as a film critic and, like, be able to, like, lampoon yourself like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, Leonard I, Malton, he's not someone I've ever, like, really been into as a critic, but I've always liked the guy a lot. He just has a lot of enthusiasm for movies. Yeah, I don't know. The uh, and also Tony Randall plays the brainy gremlin. Uh, um, yeah, you know, yeah. Just like and that lot. voice threw me too. Yeah, it takes a moment to realize it's him. I think because you're not you're not expecting him to be in Gremlins too. I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, and that character is also a very important character for making the movie work. I think. I think. Uh, yeah, they needed uh, something of a leader, so it wasn't just raw chaos. But uh, but yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I I I, uh, I I really like the the cameos and the characters. Um, what about the Gremlins this time around? Like, well, that's yeah, obviously another standout thing about the movie. 
Yeah, the animatronics yeah. really good this time around. Like yeah. they they really upped their game, which and then they were fine in the first movie. There's just, there's a lot in the first movie where it's pretty clear they're just like little rubber dolls. Um, I didn't get so much of that this time. Like they really like the the gross outs are way grosser, and like the the movements there's a lot bigger range of movement. They emphasize the eyes a lot. Like they have the one with the cartoon eyes that are like swirling around. Um, the crate, the googly eyed gremlin is maybe one of my favorites, especially when when yeah. um, when Phoebe Cates first takes him home and she thinks it's Gizmo and <laughs> oh, he just gets progressively more wired. I think he's eating stuff or I don't know what's getting him more wired, but he just starts getting like really out of control. And it's so it's but it's such an intense scene. Um, I never thought yeah. of her as like being really negative on the on Gizmo. Like she's, I, they they made her a little bit of a heel in in that part of the movie, and I was just like, but, but that's because they're making. Well, remember how negative she was in the first movie, though. Remember, like, remember, uh, she, she that was kind of her thing. She was well, but like, it's just it was Christmas, and her her dad had been hideously like hideously died during Christmas, you know. So no, it was, like, it, it, was, it was explained. Negative. It was explained, but because they're making fun of the first, like like. I think the darkest humor in the movie is when she starts telling her sad story again, and it's clearly going to be like a molestation yeah, like story. Yeah, she, she was molested by Lincoln. Yeah, like, but they, and they just walk away because, like, they're just, you know, they're, they're just, like, oh, well, okay, like. Well, that's like five minutes before the movie ends, and they literally say, "We don't have time for this." Yeah. I, I was so that was that actually made me laugh. I forgot they put that in the movie, and I'm like, "Link, really? That's that's great. That's that's well, a fun and, little lampoon." And it's funny, too, because she's, like, fully committed to, like, doing it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the but with the gremlins, I don't know. They're, they're just the white. And, again, they, they parried this on, um, was that Key and Peele sketch where he's just like, you're going to make a gremlin and you're going to make a gremlin. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. No, I. That, have that, you seen that sketch, Adam, or no? I, is that, I, I didn't actually like that sketch that much just because it's acting like, I mean, it's kind of the whole pitch meeting joke thing can be funny, but this isn't a, you know, it's like, it's, it's just such not a built by committee movie. It is just mm-hmm. the pure genius of Joe Dante. I felt yeah. like, I felt like you don't understand this movie at all. Key and Peele. I, my, my feel, I like Key and Peele a lot, but I, that was just one where I'm like, no, that sketch didn't work for me. So well, I, I, I sort of get you, but I'm kind of split. Cause on the one hand, they accurately <laughs> describe the movie, but on the other hand, sure. they don't get the spirit of the movie in that sketch. I think. Yeah, I get it. Like I said, I understand well, people finding it. it is, it is an isolated, a funny sketch yeah. but it's just i was yeah, just like if you actually uh... know what the genesis of the movie it kind of wrecks it because you're like because instead of being like that guy was joe dante you know i'm gonna make this kind of yeah. gremlin and make that kind of gremlin it wasn't like a bunch of other people throwing ideas it was just like joe dante yeah. looking in the mirror and psyching himself <laughs> up you know? Yeah, this is a pure auteur project not a yeah, not a it, hollywood assembly line one Speaking of auteur projects versus Hollywood <laughs> Assembly, I did notice something like a vibe of this movie. And maybe it's because it's Warner Brothers and it started off with a little kind of mini cartoon thing. It uh, it gave me a little bit of a Space Jam vibe. I don't, you weird. know what's funny? I've it, never seen Space Jam, so I don't know what the uh, well, not not vibe. not the original Space Jam, but like the new one where it's just them taking a bunch of their IPs and just being like, "Look at this, we own this." And now we and we also own this. Did you know we own this? Oh, because like, there's so many it, other. Okay, I get what you're there's saying. a lot of references. There's a lot of like WB properties that they're just yeah. like pulling them in. And Dante is doing it because he can. They let him do anything, and he likes yeah. all the cultural relevance, and he has a sincere love for them. 
But like it kind of had that same Space Jam vibe where it's like, hey, look at all the WB owns. So it ended yeah. real. This was let's kind of paving the road for that. Like Maybe the bat okay. flying through the wall and leaving a Batman logo yeah. in the. Oh uh, yeah, which, and that was like the current Batman logo from the Tim Burton movie, right? Like, wasn't that? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 89, 89 was yeah. the Batman movies. This was right after it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember because I, I used to always have trouble seeing the bat in that logo. So that's why that stuck out at me is the yeah, I would just see the little circles. I wouldn't see the bat inside the thing when I would look at yeah, it. Yeah, no, uh. I, 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 some reason I was thinking this movie was a little earlier than 1990 or 89. So I, I was thinking of it as something, you know, I was thinking of this movie as being before Batman logo was everywhere on every surface for about a year. But that would have been really really super recognizable in 1990 but yeah, yeah so, so I, oh go ahead joel I, I just say it was weird to get a space jam vibe out of something that was like you guys are saying an auteur project because that's such a design by yeah. committee movie yeah but it was an auteur project that was like fully funded and like a sequel to a massive hit so it has a real yeah. unusual vibe i think as a result this it's was really unusual this wasn't too long after uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, too, which, yeah. of course, was a similar well, thing. So that well, I can see. And Joe apparently, Dante. I know Marla was supposed to be based on Marla Maples, is what I heard. But she also does kind of look like Jessica Rabbit. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. She's got that, like. She's, she's a curvy redhead. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like, there's. And, like, the, but the color of the hair even seemed the same to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, not, not just a redhead, but exactly the Jessica Rabbit color hair yeah it's like a bright red this movie is a cartoon it's it's yeah it's interesting like i not many movies can cross that line like roger rabbit is a good example that did it but like very few movies and i think the tim burton batman was kind of there too where it was kind of a cartoon when you were watching it you know yeah uh, but this this movie no, is a cartoon it's fantastic <laughs> yeah, that's why the, the animated opening is so important, because it's just kind of setting you up to be like, yeah, this is a cartoon. I know we're going to live action, but it's still a cartoon, just so you know. <laughs> well, even movies you would suspect would be a cartoon weren't in some cases, like the original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly somber and serious movie in a lot of ways. Uh, and it had an interesting groundedness to it, that movie did. Well, there was the, the comic books before the cartoon, too, which were black and white kind of uh, odes to X-Men. So, you know, those were a lot darker. So I think they kind oh, of yeah. harkened back to that a little bit. Well, they did. Uh, I, I, not to make this a Teenage Mutant Turtle thing, but I've been <laughs> I've been studying them lately. Because I have this little uh, RPG side project I'm doing that involves uh, a tribute to the Turtles. And so I've been getting into them lately. And uh, yeah. yeah, apparently that's, that's the case. Have you played the new that. game? They have a new one? No. Oh, it's, oh the, it's new, the new the side game? scroller. It's it's basically like like the old coin op side scroller. I, but it's a new I used to love that game or something. Yeah, yeah that yeah, that coin that. op game was great. I remember. Yeah, that. My, my nephews and I were playing that last week. So four player four player TMNT was it was a delight doing a side scroller beat 'em up. So I highly recommend that to any either side scroller beat 'em up or TMNT fans. Nice. Yeah. So I don't know. One scene that I, I really liked was the uh what is it, the the, the healthy yogurt place. I think or I think it was a yogurt mm. place. Oh, like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. a frozen yogurt shop yeah. or something. Yeah. Um and then the you know, she sees the gremlin or the 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 mogwai because they have I don't think they've changed yet and she thinks it's a rat. And yeah. just the I don't know, just 
just like the whole thing where you know they're, they're talking about whether it's pesticide free and all that stuff <laughs> um well they, they mentioned pesticide free but they're also like is it something else free and like it it's this ridiculous thing for it to be free of they're like asking if a dessert's like lactose. she's asked if it was all natural i think didn't she yeah she it, it was, it was yeah, all like natural that. was big back then it's, uh, it's um, pesticide free that's not the same thing <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's what it was that's yeah. not the same thing as all natural well, that's before yeah. we got really deep into the organic thing. This is like the precursor to that. Like the, the health food market very, very rapidly degenerated into snake oil. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, oh, I love that always. even, even as I early work as in a health food store, I, 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 100% <laughs> snake oil. Like, like even, and again, even in 1990, we were making fun of that. You know, we knew. <laughs> yeah. And we, we also have people that are unbelievably opinionated about that sort of thing. And we I think there was a that frozen too. yogurt craze back then, too, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. The frozen yogurt craze had been going on for a few years at that point when uh, when this came out. I mean, it was almost almost at the end of the craze by the time Gremlins 2 hit. I will say I do miss Orange Julius, and I tend to I tend to think of that <laughs> as being part of that sort of, I don't know, that 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 kind of health fad. Because didn't I, it, it wasn't Orange Julius originally? I don't know if that, it was healthy. Last one I ever found was in uh, West Virginia in a, a mall that had not changed since like the early 70s. So and it was in the mid 90s. So it was. Uh, I wonder if we have an Orange Julius. Like uh, Alaska is amazing for that. Like it just feels like <laughs> you're living in the 80s up here. I, uh -huh. I used to replicate them by freezing an orange and putting it in a blender with some milk. And oh, if I was nice. adventurous, I would put an egg in there. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I, I've done the milk orange juice thing like that before. I wasn't actively trying to replicate an orange Julius, but that yeah, does if you freeze good. them, that really does it. That gives it that frothy texture. Yeah. That, that, um, mm. But but yeah, I, I don't know. So um, I don't know. What other scenes did you guys like from the movie? <laughs> I, and well, this movie, movie is very much right. a collection of scenes. You know, I think I think the the observation that it's like. Um, I think I think you said it was messy, Adam, or like unfocused. No, shapeless is the word you use. That was shapeless, word. yeah, because well, in a good way. <laughs> it, it is well, yeah. It, you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like if you like go into like your weird uncle's attic after he dies, and you like open up some crate, and there's a bunch of like like just weird stuff that's cool in there. You know, like oh, dude, look, a bunch of pulps, and look, here's yeah. some here's yeah. some old comic books. You're just kind of going through that. I kind of got that vibe out of this. It really did feel yeah. like just finding a bunch of unexpected, interesting things. I, I think rather than shapeless, unconstrained might be the word I would prefer. Well, and so, joke laden too. There's like joke after joke in it too. So there's like a lot of there's just. I mean, the the first one had humor, but I feel like this one had more. Oh, there jokes. were yeah, there were parts of the movie where they are just kind of hitting airplane level of yeah. Yeah. Like you. the lab sequence is just, yeah. it just caught, you know, and some of it's dry, but it's definitely funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, some of those sequences where you just have lots of gremlins doing things, I would, I would kind of backtrack, you know, with the, with the rewind a little bit, <laughs> just, uh, but did I catch everything that was well, going and it's, on it's, there? It's almost like family guy level reference. Like there's like, there's like a Phantom of the Opera reference and then there's like a Jekyll and Hyde reference you know just, just kind of keep going down the list just having so many more active gremlins there was just a very Muppety feel to this movie too more so yeah. than the yeah. and I just I just had the feeling that I was just watching a darker Muppet movie to an extent <laughs> yeah I could definitely see that well yeah. I, another thing um 
Oh, gee, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry, but like, another thing was that like the best part of the first movie was when the gremlins got to like rampage at the end of it, right? But that was like a really small part of that movie. And this movie, yeah. they're like, nope, get to the monkey. I immediately want to see Gremlin Rampage, like out <laughs> of the box. Yeah, like we're not gonna do a long opening. Like within five minutes of Gizmo getting back together with with the main character, he's sprayed with water. There's a new yeah. cast of puppets, which are very similar well, to the old cast. Okay, here's what I did want to talk about because that's something I noticed. Which I mean, I guess I always noticed, but it never, I never really gave it much thought. Is how the Gremlins are already equipped with knowledge of things that seem to have happened in the last movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When they, like they know goes, it's Gizmo, they know goes, his name, right? Yeah, that goes to my theory. Remember, I said when we reviewed Gremlins, I said I have the feeling they're kind of like, almost like spirits or demons or something. This is the way they materialize. Okay, it's like they're okay. Existing. That's yeah. I, I, I watched this guy. I was that. like, yeah, this fits perfectly with the theory I pulled out of the air when we reviewed Gremlins One. I see so it perfectly because there's that, and then the, like the microwave sequence too. Like, do you know uh -huh. what I mean? Like, it, it's like, yeah. I think that yeah. one. It almost had like hostility towards the microwave. When it does, yeah, the, you know, that was definitely a callback. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I noticed I, that too. Or it's like they, though, they're in a kitchen and there's a big microwave. Hmm. I, I loved. I loved the. Um, I don't remember the woman's name, but the 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 the, the, the chef lady. Chef? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like the microwave chef thing too. That's such an '80s thing. People trying mm. to cook real food in their microwave. That was a sad trend. Yeah, but she she just got like the slur exactly right. Like the slurring <laughs> of the speech was perfect. You know, yeah. it, 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 you, they sometimes go overboard with that, and she got it exactly on the line mm -hmm. that it needed to be. Yeah, um, that actress is fantastic. Her screen presence uh, was shockingly entertaining. Well, just how she was able to make the what was the word tuna noodle. How she made like the way she made that sound. This tuna noodle. They just had a, I don't know. It's it's a very memorable phrasing of it. Um, and uh, and the food too. The food was awful. Like she's making this horrible food. Uh, yeah. I, and I like they call back to the fact that all of her recipes are terrible at the end of the movie where they're walking out. What's uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, oh, Murray's your favorite, food. and he's got, and he's just like, he's, "What the hell is uh, this?" Like, God. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, also the backstory I sort of built for that in my head is she, the wife, must have been watching this show and making food for Murray that he couldn't stand. And do you uh -huh. know what I mean? Like that. Uh huh. That, that fits 100%. perfectly. Yeah. And again, that that was a cultural thing that happened a lot, too, where like you get like these ideas in your head from cooking shows and you want to make them. And then when you make them, they would just be terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even if you made them correctly, it was like, oh, God, salad and aspic. I don't think this is a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, there were some weird, weird flavor profiles operating in some of those shows for sure well i they don't even seem to be based on flavor it's almost like you're just flexing to flex you know like if you see some of the aspect stuff that's especially like it's beautiful looking and then you think like oh i gotta eat this and this is like the salty goop at the bottom of yeah. a spam can yeah like, thankfully well. my mom didn't really cook much from cooking shows so i was spared a lot of that but the uh and I didn't I didn't watch cooking shows much, so I wasn't um I wasn't prone to like get an idea on the TV and well you, you got a ghost in your room, Joel? Yeah. This, this is perfectly framed cat up there. Huh? Yeah. 
I have a perfectly framed cat. Like, okay, is that a, that's a, I'm assuming a domestic cat and not a wild cat. That's no, this is one of my girlfriend's cats. <laughs> okay, this, I love how perfect. Well, I can't tell the scale, so I got a little bit nervous. You know, for all I know, it's a puma <laughs> in the background. It's a closer and bigger and bigger. As long as you just hear my mic, just cut off the audio switches off. It sounds like a great premise for a little short story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the, the podcast puma. Yeah, it's like a cryptid. I, I wanted to. Well, I won't go into it. I I, I have a similar type of story I wanted to do, but um, you don't but, want to spoil it. Don't spoil it. You gotta. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I probably a million dollar idea, whatever it is. But also, the I like I liked the um, I liked the Futterman return in this one. I thought that that yeah, was, I like that they uh even kind of like wink at the audience, like oh they're not dead. They they were yeah. just scared. It's fine. Uh-huh. Man, we saw them die. I find like, it very reassuring to know the Futtermans are still alive. That that is a that is a good call in my opinion. And I think I feel like I feel like Leonard canon. Malton was in this movie because this movie was not nearly as mean spirit. Yeah, it was his complaint. The first crumb was yeah. mean spirit. This one, <laughs> this one is a lot more generous, and it's got it does have a nicer outlook on people. That was probably Leonard Malton's influence. He's like, all right, you gotta <laughs> you gotta make this movie kinder to the Buttermans. <laughs> But what about the Hulk Hogan? Uh, oh, yeah. What did you guys think of that one? That was great. You, that was just perfect. I, I yeah. loved that. The Hulk shirt is prime. I love that he rips <laughs> off his shirt. I always wanted to be small <laughs> enough that I could just go to a place and somebody asked me to do something, I could rip off my shirt before I did it. Yeah. Even if it was like really innocuous, like if someone was like, hey, can you hold this flashlight for a second? You know I can, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that was excessive, sir. Yeah. That 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 whole segment is still really strange, even when you know it's coming. It's just so it, it's just such a weird tonal shift. Well, and it also it's one of those things too, where I think it, I feel like when I saw it in the theater, we probably thought that the projector was malfunctioning uh-huh. at first, but uh-huh. uh, but I like that it plays to the whole thing where like like my sister ran out of Gremlins when when it first was in theaters. And apparently that was like a big issue for them was there were a lot of kids running, <laughs> screaming from and the parents had to take the kids out. And so yeah. I felt like it was a reference to that. But yeah. then because I think she says like this is worse than the first one. Right. And so, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and I and I just, you know, and I like just the conversation. Or what is it? He said he said, like, you know, like we just show the movies, madam. We don't make them, you know, just like the just. The, yeah. The little, oh, go ahead. I- I'd have to say it works better now with a big flat screen TV than it. Because as I said, I didn't watch the movie when it came out. I watched it on a TV in the mid '90s, and you know, mid '90s TVs were were not not scale wars. When watching it last night on a you know not a huge TV but a fifty something inch TV, it was like it did feel more like I was actually Mm. watching a screen with the lights out and everything. So I I have a projector behind me. I should have projected this. It would have been perfect. Yeah, this yeah, opportunity. This ideal. opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't. Have you guys ever been in a movie theater where the where the film gets ruined like that, or where the projector stops or anything? Uh, that... one time, actually, that is an interesting story about that one. It's it's a brief story, but it's an interesting one. So I lived, I grew up in Kansas, which is Tornado Alley. So when we went to watch Twister in the theater, that happened, and oh, they had to just keep it real. They they had to get. I don't know if they had like a backup or they said. No wait, was it? Like a minute. Were tornadoes involved in that happening? Yeah, or? we walked out, and there had been a tornado while we were in there. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I have a similar story. I saw um uh, what was it? The Living Daylights in Bakersfield, and there was a dust storm, 
and <laughs> that caused the power to go out. And so, you know, we spent like half an hour in the theater waiting for them to get everything to work again. Um, yeah, the theater caught on fire when I saw Beetlejuice, but it was just like a fire. It was like a fire in the back somewhere that we didn't know about. And uh, we didn't realize until we were leaving as the movie was ending. It's like, oh, wow, there was a fire. Huh? A, a Too bad fire they didn't us or anything. A fire in the that theater is nice. very cinematic, too. So it's, yeah. you know, it's like a backstory to a villain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or the culmination of a villain's plans, one of the two. Um, or a hero's like, plans. Yeah. Or a hero's plans, Bastards. like in uh, Inglorious Bastards, right? But yeah, that's the uh, thing I immediately went to that one. Uh, <laughs> the wonderful uh, image yeah. of Hitler being machine gunned into <laughs> hamburger and then exploded. But the, yeah. Uh, but on the references in this, it was kind of interesting that you had two separate Phantom of the Opera references, one to the silent movie and one to the 80s Broadway musical. You had like, uh, you know, you had like the organ player scene from Phantom of the Opera, the old black and white one. But you also had the scene where the guy got the acid in the face and then just puts the white mask on immediately oh, oh and it's and it's the um it's the it's the 80s phantom mask right 80, yeah. 80s phantom of the menace so i think it was just, it was just kind of funny that the, yeah i was like huh. yeah because people might not realize the mask is different in the um in the black and white movie from the mask that people net because i think people think of the the musical mask when they think of phantom of the opera now yeah um, that's like the iconic yeah. mask yeah, yeah. But the but yeah that well that i mean phantom of the opera the movie was when i was in high school that was one of my favorite films i had i had it on vhs and i used to watch it all the time and so yeah. you know again i when i saw this in the theater i don't think i had seen phantom of the opera yet but uh but watching it now it's like you know i really appreciate just like yeah. the, the amount of the amount of lon cheney imitation going on in that sequence is is pretty amusing just to see a gremlin performing lon cheney like that is uh, yeah, and that's the only purpose it serves in the movie. It, like, it's no purpose. Though, though, let's see a gremlin do yeah. that scene. From <laughs> well, and it just kind of creates this added, this feeling of these creatures just kind of, they've absorbed our cult. It's, it goes yeah. back to your spirit thing where they understand our pop culture somehow. Uh, uh, the, and which, it, it, makes, uh, it actually makes, too, it's like, you know, if you are going to complain about violence in the movie, almost all the violence in this movie is directed at the gremlins. But if they're these yeah. spirit beings that just continually reincarnate, then, you know, it, even that it's like it's not a big deal when a gremlin gets killed because they just they're just going to be back. Well, they don't die as violently or viscerally, at least not at first. Like they kind of melt, but they even kind of make fun of how they melt in this movie. Well, they, there's yeah. the Wizards of Oz reference where it's oh, what a world, what a world. Yeah. Cartoony, <laughs> so it's not. It's a little more palatable. Like I don't know. It seemed like it, the first thing you see gremlins die in the first movie, they are getting like extrajudiciously murdered. Like it is like straight up like by the mom. Right. Oh, yeah. She goes full Vietnam on these things. And like, yes. I, I kind of feel sorry for them looking back at that. But in this one, <laughs> it's nothing quite that bad. Like, instead of being no. exploded in a microwave, one of them turns into electricity and there's like a lightning gremlin. You know, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the most gory scene is when the whole like giant room full of them gets holocausted because of the lightning gremlin. Uh, but like even that, like that's where they put that joke in. You know, the I'm I'm melting, I'm melting, what a world joke. So it, yeah. they do a lot to soften it, you know, even though it's, I guess it's just as icky and squicky as it was before. 
Well, one thing I wondered about is if the ref there's so many references to classic movies. I wonder if like a person that you know uh, is you know younger watching it now would not recognize any of the you know what I mean because e- even though I might not have got all of them when I saw it in the theater I would have certainly gotten the Wizard of Oz reference and yeah there's you know. a ton of references young people like I said I mean every, I think most young people are going to pick up on the Trump thing but the Ted Turner thing that's a lot yeah the, the Ted Turner moves. jokes are going to be a lot more obscure <laughs> well and also the Trump thing might even be tricky because that's a different incarnation of Trump that they're lampooning and that's so, original for Trump. Yeah, yeah. Kind of asshole. That's guy. like Seinfeld era Trump almost. You know what I mean? Like where he would yeah, just show up for two seconds that. in a movie or a show, and yeah. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd forgotten he was in Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. I was watching yeah. my kids. <laughs> Donald Trump shows up, and I'm like, what? what? <laughs> he was in a lot of stuff. He was just like, you know, in he was just one of those people that you just see in movies and shows. He's, I mean, again, when you see yeah, him in Seinfeld, yeah. it's kind of he was, know, he was a member of the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, yeah. it's uh. He's an actor. I mean, like, technically on paper. But I just, yeah. I just think, I just think that they might not understand that it's the, it's the, uh, you know, the developer that they're, the, you know, the and uh, um, and Playboy that they're sort of, you know, uh, lampooning there. Um, yeah. But but it's but it's definitely. I mean, number one, the name Clamp is just perfect because not only does it sound like Trump, but it also, because this is like a combo of Trump and Ted Turner and just a mogul in general, the idea of like where it's got like the clamp with the world in it. Yeah. Yeah, That's a beautiful, beautiful sculpture. You know what else though? It reminded me of something when I was watching it and it it was itching in my mind. I'm like, what the hell does that look like? It looks like the OCP logo from RoboCop. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good point. And that so was like, earlier. This is after. Robo yeah, that was eighty-seven, Omni, wasn't it? Omni consumer products. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if that it might be a reference. I don't know, maybe. I mean, this has a. This definitely has a vibe to 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 Verhoeven's movies in a way. You know what I mean? Like, there's like a there. I like I. I feel like he would have enjoyed this film had he seen it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. I had to point out the the lampoon element of Verhoeven to my girlfriend, who apparently thought oh, that RoboCop yeah. was completely sincere. But I'm like, no. Oh, yeah, no, I mean no, that no, happened. No. That happened with Starship Troopers too. I yeah, I, I knew people. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, I think now Starship it's Troopers not, was but... more subtle too. So I can, I mean, I get people not understanding so with Starship brilliant. Troopers, but RoboCop that movie it's is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Ro- I mean, yeah, RoboCop is uh, RoboCop is a work of art. I think it's just no, Absol- absolute yeah. work of art, and it's only ninety minutes. I didn't remember that. It does it's not overstay its welcome. And it's yeah. got it's got one of the best villains of all time. You know, yeah. it's just it's got a, several of the best villains of all time. But the guy, what's the the guy from um, that '70s show? It's just uh, yeah. wonderful in that movie. What's, yeah. it, what's his name? Bodiker was Bodeker. that his name? Yeah, yeah. Bodeker. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, it? Can you fly, Bobby? Is that the... I just he's just got these Can lines. Fly, Bobby. <laughs> what was great is so happy to be him an being that character is what made him so great in that '70s show. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's why he's so believable as that kind of a dad. You know. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, you know, we, we we at some point we should do RoboCop, even though it's a little outside of our wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, it's probably been ten years since I've seen it, so I'm overdue. It's a movie. Oh, yeah. I love it again. Yeah, I, I see it every four or five years. That's the, uh-huh. I definitely get an itch to watch it, and it's kind of up there with Starship Troopers for me. And usually, I find 
I'll watch RoboCop and the theme song will get me in the mood to hear the Starship Troopers theme song because they're very similar. And I think they're both Basil Polidorus. You know, like yeah. I'll, I'll start going down yeah. the Basil Polidorus thing. That's a you know. thing to do. But, uh, yeah, I, do, I, do that yeah, like I mean, Mente, I, uh, I love that movie just because I was really into cyberpunk stuff at the time. And that was one of the first movies that that, that kind of captured that kind of vibe. That hmm. really, So it was really exciting to kind of see that. Yeah, I think that would be a, um, I think that would definitely, and, and isn't, um, well, I don't know, I'll, I'll, when we get to it, I'll, we'll get into that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I know. But, we're, we're, don't use your own. Let's now. talk about, let's talk about the female gremlin, because that's also an addition that there weren't <laughs> any female gremlins. A lot too. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Yeah. And, and also, so here's the thing. At the end of the movie, they kill all the gremlins, but they don't kill her. And she ends up with the, um. The yeah, chief the of security, the, the Robert yeah. Picardo character. So what I'm wondering is after the movie, what happens? Because because <laughs> they hook up, right? Like he kind of shrugs his shoulders. He's like, yeah, good yeah. enough. And <laughs> she's wearing a wedding dress now. even, right? So like, is there like a don't kill her scene or do they just accept this female gremlin as being like more like Gizmo or something? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, she might be. I Honestly, she seemed like, aside from being a weird celebrity, and being gross because she was a, a gremlin with huge, weird lips. Um, aside from that, like, what did she do that was evil? She wasn't, like, really violent Nothing. or anything. Yeah. She, just, she just wanted to love the chief of security. She just she wanted was, a, she a boyfriend. Wanted love. Right? Yeah. You know what? She got what she wanted. Everyone's happy. Now, I'm, I'm fine with accepting that she's, like, like the gremlin version of Gizmo. From what we've seen in the movie, I don't think you can build an ethical argument for killing her. Right? She hasn't Well, done... here's the thing. I mean... <laughs> It's we know they change after they eat after midnight. But we know from from Gizmo that Mogwai can potentially be good. So it's like maybe she just becomes an enlightened, you know, yeah. Mogwai like Gizmo. She found she found true love. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe female gremlins are just not aggressive. What would it even like mean gremlin, to be female right? as a gremlin? They they all reproduce the same way by having a bunch of yeah. Things I think I think it's yeah, just a. She's like a brave new frontier of gremlin evolution, I guess. I don't like know. Smurfette is a yeah. She's like I think yeah. that's maybe where they got the idea. Oh yeah, no, she's a Smurfette. Well, I, I think I mean I think the main idea is they're kind of ripping off the whole Bugs Bunny dressing as a girl thing. Okay, there's yeah. Okay, I can see that. That's, I can see that's that. That's the yeah. that's the the main influence there, but but he didn't have breasts. She had actual breasts. Oh, she did. They, I, they made yeah, sure to sculpt I, those. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that. I, I I did not wasn't looking, but I could and and, not and, and 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 Picardo was eventually, you know, eventually able to see the beauty of her enough yeah. that you know he he was willing to go there. Um, that, well, that's what that's what Giger said, right? He's like, if you want to make anything sexy, just give it huge sexy lips. That was the Giger. <laughs> that was that the morph. Yeah, but know? I don't know. I mean, what, here's the thing: Giger Giger knows a lot about horror and body horror i don't know that he's a, a an expert on sexiness do you know what i mean like i don't think uh, you could say that he makes the sexiest designs in the world he, I, he I cannot makes, but he makes sexy mon he makes monsters that are unsettling because there are sexy elements to them yeah. but you wouldn't want to actually have sexual relations with any of his designs right speak for yourself, yourself. Right. okay yeah. well <laughs> okay <laughs> i they call it the. They don't call it the alien loser. They call it the alien queen, sir. Well, I don't know. Like, I, 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 
but but either way, what I, I want to know what <laughs> completely the... speechless. I had to. I was like, ah, oh, I've got to get you. I got to get you this podcast. I've not been mean enough. I, I it went over my head, so I don't. I didn't even perceive the meanness of, uh, of the remark. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to baffle you into speechlessness. Is that so wrong? I, I, I you know, <laughs> it's the sexiest movie since The Fly, in my opinion. <laughs> Wait, what, I, what did you say, Adam? It's the sexiest movie since The Fly. What, it's Gremlins the, 2 or Aliens? Okay. Yes. Sexiest movie since The Fly. Well, The Fly at least had Gina Davis in it. But this That's just has... a good point. Yeah, I this just know. has... a Well, this has Phoebe Cates. Yeah. It has Phoebe Cates. But she's not doing, and, and it has Marla, so there's that. But it's, yeah, but it's not gross. it's not doing anything sexy. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it, it, it it's it's leaning it, heavily into the comedy. Well, um, well, yeah. It, even Marla, who's supposed to be kind of a bombshell, like it doesn't it doesn't like I don't know. It, it doesn't have anything smutty with her. She's just like wearing yeah. clothes, walking around. You're and, laughing. You're you're not desiring her. You're laughing at her. Do you know what I mean? I, mean, I have to do two things, but like, but what, what I mean is like, she never does like a, she doesn't ever have like a sexy scene or anything like that. Like the closest we get is whenever she goes into the spider webs and she's just kind of a person who's in spider webs. But yeah. they do that thing where they backlight her and she's got a really nice silhouette. I didn't really notice it until that scene, but I was like, huh, well, okay. <laughs> but again, that's I mean, not... she does have the scene with Billy where she's trying to seduce him, but it's like a it's comical more, scene as an right? audience yeah. You know, like yeah in, the, in that restaurant with the with the mo- the chocolate mousse right the uh, yeah well, her, per- her personality is so off-putting in that scene yeah. that you know it's not it's not very attractive well, well that whole scene all i all i'm feeling is concern about kate and billy's relationship like that's all exactly. that's the only emotion that i'm really experiencing um and then and then he comes home and and Kate sees he's, the he's lipstick, the lipstick and everything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then that's kind of just left in the air until like later in the movie, right? Well, like, the spiderweb yeah. scene, it yeah. really doesn't come yeah. up again. So, well, she tells him you're going to be in a lot of trouble if we survive this. But yeah, that's the only other part. But yeah, so and then there's, I guess, the other thing to talk about is the um, oh, he's like the grandpa monster character, the uh, yeah, the the old yeah. vampire guy that really wants to be a reporter. And he gets the um, uh, what is it the 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 Getty Watanabe? Uh, uh, oh my god, I guy. loved him in this movie. Yeah. It was so much fun. But uh, yeah, no, they, they they were they were actually were a really good team. I thought I like I liked the mm-hmm. I liked the combo of those two. Um, yeah, there there have been another sequel. I would have insisted those characters were in it. Like they're really <laughs> they've got an amazing they, well, I, they have a dynamic that kind is of that actor still alive, the uh No, the there's no way in hell. Uh <laughs> no, I, I I vaguely let's see. I mean you could probably get the guy who played Clamp back in, right? I think he's still alive. Um Oh man, you could make him the ex president too. Like you could completely get into it. Yeah, I th- well I think there was even talk of having a gremlin's at the White House or something. Like I remember hearing somebody mention that at some point. This is your second time, sir, dealing with these gremlins. He's, he just looks at the camera and he's like, um, you know, get me Gizmo. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, oh, we haven't was... talked about Gizmo at all. What do you guys think about Gizmo? He has a Rambo arc in this movie and a training montage. <laughs> yeah, he does have a Rambo arc. That's uh, that. Uh, it's weird too because he's not really with billy at all for much of the movie right he's just no, kind really. of like, yeah 
Yeah, he just kind of goes... Well, like, he's barely in the movie, really. He's an inciting event, and then he's he just sort of montages for most of it, and then he, he shoots the one spider one with the, with the Rambo arrow he makes out of a... Out of office supplies. Of course, they give Butterfield the Rambo quote. It's like, what happened to Gizmo? They, I guess they pushed it too far. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the first, I think that's, that's uh, first a blood. kind of quote. Yeah, from first, blood, first I think. blood, if I recall. Which is the yeah. one he was he was watching, uh, ironically. He was watching the second one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would have been <laughs> the one, I think, because part three hadn't come out yet, right? So it wouldn't have I don't been think part. so. I don't know when did part three come out. Yeah. But yeah, that is. I don't think I've seen part three. I've seen one, two, and four. I don't think I've seen three. Well, and there's also, isn't there like a really new one too? Oh, or Rambo was, three was eighty eight. So that was it. Okay. okay. All right. Okay, yeah. But Ram Rambo came out what eighty five, eighty six. The first, oh, the the sequel. sequel? It was yeah. probably more like eighty four. Okay. Because I, I can rem- yeah, based on when I saw it, I think it was. Uh, let's see. That was the, the, the 80s escalation of firearms in movies where <laughs> we need a rocket launcher in this guy's hands. Yeah, the original movie was uh, 82 and a Rambo was uh, 85. And you realize okay. Rambo was that old. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an old movie. I mean, the first movie feels like a 70s film. More than yeah, it's a serious. Yeah. It's a serious yeah. movie. It's, just it's like, like a, yeah, it's like it's like Rocky. It's like a character study, right? Like it's like that, mm-hmm. like level of filmmaking, and like the Rocky series, it gets yeah, more eighties as weird. it goes. Yeah, yeah, and it's an adaptation by by from a novel and everything too. So it was, uh, but yeah, I would definitely qualify. Yeah, the first movie is so cool and thoughtful. It's it's all about like. The contrast between like the the hideous violence of warfare and the the common cruelties of civilian life, like it's really <laughs> neat, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then the second one, like he shoots an arrow tipped with an explosive into a POW <laughs> camp, and it's like a whole different movie, but it's still good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a fun movie, no question. It's, it's just a very different kind of energy. It goes yeah, from like, I'm, you know, we should seriously re- we should seriously consider the social ramifications of two. You know, violence is great. Yeah, Yay, violence. That's you know, is the sometimes 80s. The, sometimes the best the thing when you're making a sequel is just to go a completely different direction. So it's not like you could have done the same thing again. So okay, so and we we are we guess actually brings us back on topic. So this is a sequel. So. Is this sequel mocking the original to the point it has no respect for it, or is this like no, realizing no, he's it's having it's, fun with it? It's yeah, he yeah, because I mean he's his own movie. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd have no respect for his own movie. I think he just is able to poke fun at the logic of the first movie in ways that are very self-aware. Yeah, I think and, and, the, and the part making fun of the story too, where she starts to go into her Lincoln's birthday story. <laughs> yeah. I mean. As he said, that was so iconic in the yeah. 80s. Like I said, kids would tell that Christmas story just as a story, not even bringing yeah. up Rumbles. It just became this urban legend. So that that doing a callback to that, that was definitely a thing to well, call back to. For me, it's the doing the callback, but then going even darker than the dead dad in the chimney <laughs> is, is what makes it like work as a joke. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that... And and also the um, 
what is it the uh i don't know they're just uh, like the scene where they're in the control room and they're making fun of the whole after feeding them after midnight rule do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're just yeah, like, well, when it gets like a seed stuck in its tooth. You know? like, <laughs> I always loved, I just love that because the guy's just nitpicking and nitpicking, and then the gremlin just boom, just, <laughs> yeah. just attacks him. It's just like, all right, enough of this. I, I, lo- I loved how how quickly uh, Picardo's character shifts too in that scene, where it's just like, okay, now that he, now that it's real, he's just he's on Billy's side like instantly. Yeah, uh, you know? yeah, exactly. That's. That that was a nice touch. It's See, like a, so many movies will do the thing where the security guy is just going to be a bonehead about it, no matter what. And it's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but they I, made him good I, at his job. I also fun. do like that they get into like the internal logic. Like th- that scene connects to the scene where Billy and and um, the chief of security go to Clamp's office, and then yeah. Cl- and he starts telling them that it came from the 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 lab. Like that's that's sort of you know that's sort of their explanation, and he's like, yeah. I told you that those guys would be a problem. <laughs> like, but but I love that you get kind of a very good sense of why that lab is there. You know what I mean? And that it's not because I think in a lot of movies the lab would have just been there, and they yeah. wouldn't have uh-huh. really explained the relationship between the lab and the clamp company. And yeah, so it's I don't know, it just it just adds a little bit of something to it. Um, yeah, yeah, they. The movie, as goofy as it gets, it doesn't actually completely, until that scene where, like, the, the film breaks and the gremlins have to get cowed back into submission by Hulk Hogan, which is amazing, for the record. Um, but until then, it never really leaves the real world. Like, it always, like, yeah. wants to explain to the audience what's going on. It gives you reasons things are happening. Like, it's not just raw chaos. It's, yeah. it's just anarchic, you know? Uh, yeah, and it, it is really fun. It plays to a kid audience really well too, for the record. Because the characters are good, that's that's one thing that carries it through the plot being so anarchic. It like you you need something to be grounded to, and the characters do hold it together. Yeah, the, yeah, you want to spend time with the characters. Um, yeah, which I think is yeah. yeah, like you said, like and in the first one, I mean, that's not the point of the movie. The movie isn't about spending time with the characters as much uh, the first half the, kind of is though because like i said the, you know it takes a while before you really get that's to the true in the, first that's one. So true. the first half is all these eccentric but, characters in this town yeah yeah i guess that's true i i just feel like in this one it's a i don't know like every care like i wanted i could watch christopher lee do that <laughs> all day do you know what I mean? like uh-huh. a, there's not enough christopher lee in the movie and there's a yeah, lot of christopher, christopher lee. lee and his twin assistants that yeah. would be I, i'd it's watch just, that just like the scene where he's like get you know he's getting the shipments of diseases you know, yeah he's complaining I have diseases you would like that wouldn't <laughs> yeah, you yeah he's trying to he's trying to, get, he's trying to he's trying to bargain with the gremlin by offering diseases I, and i can't have this, tell have this, have this kleenex examined well i i can't tell if he is so tone deaf in character that he thinks that people love diseases as much as him, or if he intuits that these things are monsters yeah. that want to use. I think those it's the latter. I think he understands yeah. the creature is this malicious thing that he maybe has a certain kinship with. And, yeah. but I, I also love like the very rapid redemption arc the character gets, but it's kind of a glib <laughs> redemption arc where he's like, there's certain yeah. things, man, you know, it was like certain things, man, wasn't meant to splice or something. Yeah. That was and, great. Yeah, the the yeah. one line redemption arc. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> but you don't get the sense that he's, you know, like tomorrow he's probably going to be back to his old ways. You well, know, I, I mean, uh, 
scared straight is fine. You know, like, and like, I like that. Ooh, sorry. My microphone fell over. But like, I like that, like the, uh, the absence of evil is good enough for this movie. It's like, okay, yeah. well, you're not horrifically evil anymore. You're just mildly unpleasant. You get a pass. You can live. You're a good guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a good description of the, movie, the absence of evil. Cause a lot of the characters are just the, it's, it, it's, it's a certain absence of evil that makes them, uh, well, if you if they have any redeeming quality that's not necessarily good, like you're talking about the clamp character, there's something yeah. really good about him. He's not particularly good at his job. He's just optimistic and upbeat, yeah. and that's not necessarily a noble or virtuous trait, but it makes him likable and good enough. Yeah. He's not. He's, there's an absence of evil. There's no cruelty in his heart, you know, and he's just kind of likable. Okay, good enough. You you do yeah. good. Yeah, I the think the thing that I think the thing that maybe explains his success is that he seems to be a people person and he's able to make people feel good in his presence like that's mm -hmm. like do you know what i mean like billy doesn't billy seems to like him do you know what i mean and that's and billy's kind of our window into the world so um well and he yeah. likes he likes billy and like the thing that is an actual decent thing about him is that he does actually recognize talent like he calls mm -hmm. out billy and he's like oh we need people producing here this is what we need that's actual real world yeah. good business sense and and reasonably good leadership. It's not particularly sophisticated, but like it's you know it makes him unctuous. I think is your word. I'm going to use your word this time. And from from a movie perspective, it's it is a nice change up because when it, when the when the boss shows up like that, it's like ooh, you're expecting it to be yeah. trouble. It's going to create some problem for Billy, and it's no, well, no it's it, completely it, opposite. He's, he's more it's like a Mister. Like what was his name? Mr. Peter Peterman? Was it Peterman from Seinfeld? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's he's oh, that yeah, kind yeah, of a character. It was also yeah. a... Uh, Jay Peterman? Um, yeah, he's he just an enthusiastic... Turner, wasn't he? Uh, he was based on the guy that owned the catalog. That guy. Yeah. That, yeah um, I think that wasn't that even the guy's name, or am I mistaken? I, can't I think remember. it was his real yeah. name, and I, I think they just made a fictional character yeah. like this real guy. Yeah. Was, yeah. It's it's pretty funny actually, but it's the same kind of character. I I, but also like he's so, he he's not rattled by the presence of the gremlins. Like he kills the gremlin in the shredder, and then he's kind of back at his office, and he he takes a shower. You know, he's just like not, he's not freaking out that the building is being overrun with gremlins, and then he's excited to use his secret exit. You know, he's like gets all like you know, <laughs> you know. he's like he's like a big kid, you know, and he yeah. has like energy, and you know. It really does make him likable. <laughs> you know what it is? I think it makes yeah. it hard. You don't feel like you want to condemn him for anything because it's like you recognize he's like a child. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Like yeah. There's a certain lack of morality that you'll kind of let a child get away with just because they, they are kind of innocent, you know? Yeah. Even the ones that you're pretty sure know better, you're like, well, but they're still nine or whatever. Um Oh yeah! Again, going back to RoboCop, that reminds me of the second one, RoboCop Two, oh, where they make RoboCop Two, by the way. And there's that kid in it that's like nine years old, that's like just evil and monstrous right down to his core. I loved that so much. What a, what a wonderfully sickening character. Yeah, it's not as good as the first movie, but the second one is good. The third I one is garbage. The third one is garbage. Yeah. But I don't know. I honestly think that the second one is about as good as the first one. Just very, very different. I I, don't, I feel like the, another first look. One, the first one feels more well-crafted to me is the thing. The you first I mean? one is a masterpiece, but the second yeah. one knows it is a sequel to a masterpiece. And uh, it, it makes it make some really interesting creative decisions. And I Yeah, I would agree with that. It, there's it so many scenes that like 
perfectly capture the energy. And it's not even a Verhoeven. Like, it was some other director at that time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. I don't think it was him. I think like it was somebody the else. Scene where I think Fra- didn't Frank Miller write that? Oh, I think he did. That might have been one of the reasons it was good. So maybe, yeah, you know what? That that would, because it was kind of like a well-written film, but maybe uh-huh. not. But it wasn't as well done director-wise, I feel, as the first. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to who directed that? Uh, we really should do Irving the first Robocop. I'd be happy yeah, to yeah. do it. I, I, I could watch Robocop of you know, endlessly. So that, that would be yeah, I, fine I by literally, me. I had yeah. a spat in my college days when I literally watched RoboCop every single day yeah. for like a month. And you <laughs> know I, what? It was always good. I, when I was in, like in the 80s, when I was like in, uh, was I in elementary? Yeah, I must have been in elementary school, maybe just getting into, what year did RoboCop come out? 86? I was in elementary school. Yeah, yeah I, was, I think I was in elementary school still. And we would we would just watch it on video constantly. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, that was kind of the culture, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing it on video first, and like it was just a bunch of teenagers. I, and, I think it was. And we didn't. We I didn't get. It. We didn't get all of like the like you were saying, like the 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 satire. It was some of it we got. Like some of it was really heavy. The commercials were. Pretty yeah, the commercials. But, but yeah, yeah Nukem. <laughs> um, but we just thought it was great. You know, that was you know, and the and the scene in the boardroom. I you know, like we didn't get what they were making fun of, but we knew it was funny. You know what I mean? We knew it was funny. Um, so, but yeah, so I don't know. I guess we should end by saying what are our um, our final thoughts on on Gremlins On Gremlins 2. And we can kind of do the whole franchise, too, because only these two movies. We've seen, we've done them both now. So we can give our overall thoughts, yeah. too. Um, well, I... I think I, I started this this whole podcast with the statement that I watched this when I was like eight and I loved it. And then I watched it again and I'm 36 and I still love it like exactly as much as I did before. It's just as it's it's fun. It's like watching a favorite cartoon from your childhood. You know, uh, I no notes. This this movie's five stars for me. I, and like it's not five stars because it's like super smart, but it's smart enough. It's not five stars because it's the best visual effects in the world, but they're really good. It's not yeah. five stars because they're the deepest characters, but I love them all. You know, it, it's, not, it's not even five stars for nostalgia's sake because, like, it stands on its own outside of nostalgia as a really entertaining movie. Um, they both do. So I, it's rare I like a sequel better than the original, but I actually think I like this one more just because it's it takes the premise and it's like we could have made two or three more sequels. We're just going to make one. Um, I respect that kind of energy. Good job, Joe Dante. So, <laughs> my final thoughts is I'm just gonna gush over it. It's fantastic. Go watch Gremlins too. Yeah, I, I don't have any uh, any fantastic final thought. I've been holding on to. I, uh, I I like I said. I my my final thought really is just that it does fit well with the first one and I, more than I remembered. And uh, th- they're just enormously fun movies. I don't. There's nothing too deep about either of them it's uh i mean i agree with you the jokes it's not like the jokes miss are sophisticated or anything even the satire in it is is pretty blunt satire yeah. but it's funny yeah. and it picks good targets and yeah i mean i don't know i i i just yeah i'm out of cool thoughts it's it's very right. late here well just to and, uh, just to piggyback <laughs> i'll piggyback on what you said i think that i think the simple directness of it is one of the appealing things about it it's yeah. not it's not trying to be 
No, like it's it's like Joel said, it's 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 smart, but it's not too smart. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not it's 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 not veiling what it's trying to do. It it does not get in its own way at all. Yeah. No. And so so I think I mean it's a great movie. I I still like the first one more simply because it's a classic. I agree. Do you know what I mean? But this is one just tight. There's just something very tight about the first. Yeah, I agree. This this one, like I say, it is loose, and I like its looseness, but. The first one is is more perfectly constructed, but but this one, and, and this is where I feel kind of like maybe I'm being disingenuous by saying this, but this one's almost more enjoyable to watch if that makes sense. Even though like mm-hmm. I rate the other one higher for some reason. Do you know what I mean? Like no, I, the I, other yeah. one, yeah, like the first one I would want to watch less frequently, but I would sort of uh, savor it more when I'm watching it. And yeah. this one, you kind of can just put on any time and you'll yeah and there's so much going on there'll always be new stuff for you to see in it do you know what i mean you'll always pick up on new details um and yeah i just it 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 has tremendous rewatch value i think and it's um it's it's just really funny so that i mean that's 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 one thing that it has that the first movie the first movie's funny but not to the extent that this one is it's like the difference between a Snickers and a deep fried Snickers. Like the Snickers okay. is definitely the superior thing, right? Like it's more put together. It's made to be what it is. But when you kind of take that and you like go a little goofy with it and you deep fry it, there's more entertainment for eating a deep fried Snickers. It's it's good in a very different way. And it changes the character of it. But like, yeah, so it's like that. For me, it's like that. Where it's like this is a high class dessert versus a really trashy but really delicious dessert, okay. you know. Okay. Like the high class dessert, I think a little more of because I eat a nice meal, I finish it off with a high class dessert. But this is just like going to like like a all you can eat buffet where they just have all the different like ice cream things and just tossing everything in this giant pile of ice cream. You know, it's like it's it's not it's almost incomparable. No, I I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. This is like, it's kind of like the difference between like a really great, well-crafted pizza and a pizza that isn't, but it's got so much cheese on it that it's, <laughs> that it's delicious. You know yeah, I mean? you got, that's the energy. That's exactly yeah. it. It almost gives you too much of what you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, 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 a, like, a, like an extra cheese and it can go the long way. Do you know what I mean? Like, a, like yeah. a, you know, like, like. I'm not a big Pizza Hut guy, but if you give me Pizza Hut with extra cheese, like, oh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the fire right there. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's that's exactly it. This movie almost gives you too much of what you want, but <laughs> it, it, it knows what the line is. And so you just yeah. get more of what you want. Is that better? No, it's not as well crafted as the first uh, Gremlins in a, in a lot of ways, but I like it more. Yeah. So yeah. So I think Gremlins with extra cheese is how. Uh, <laughs> Gremlins with extra cheese. Yeah, that's how I'm perfect. Perfect it, summation. Fair enough. All right. So why don't we end it there? And I guess we will be doing at some point a RoboCop. Yeah. Series I, really, I kind of want to do all the first three because I want to do the whole arc from the the rocket all the way up and then right back down. Okay. The, the, the third one is going to be painful. The third one is like. I don't, I remember watching it when I was a kid. I already seen the first two, and I loved them like they're both classics. And then I saw that, and I was like, I don't like RoboCop anymore. Yeah. Like it, yeah. <laughs> well, well, number one, Peter Weller's not in it. Peter Weller's not in it, but they lead you to think that the guy in the suit is Peter Weller. Is how I remember that's, that. One. That's never a good sign. Yeah. 
and uh, and, and and you need P- P- even though it doesn't seem like you would have to be, you know, the the, the right actor for it because you're in because of the character, but something about Peter Weller's performance is just so different. That's the and thing. So, it's yeah. such yeah. a. Yeah. You'd think that because you basically can't see him, you could just replace the actor. But it's a Batman thing where it kind of matters yeah. who's under the cowl. Yeah, you know, Addis is in the giant, clunky, ridiculous robot body. Yeah. <laughs> so and and Peter Weller just knows how to walk that line between like robot guy and human. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just works with him. And the other guy is just like all robot or something. I don't know. Yeah, you don't work. realize the subtle magnificence of his performance mm-hmm. until you watch the third movie and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then to top it off, they end up killing that lady. It's oh, just God. like insult. Yeah. 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 Debbie. Uh, what's her name? Debbie Allen. Yeah. yeah we yeah, got to go on this journey, folks. It's, it's yeah. going to be good. So, all right. So we'll end it here. And uh, until next time, we will talk to you later.
Thank <laughs> you.